Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today as we talk about the Word of God. And we're talking specifically about creation and evolution. Today we want to look a little bit at fossils. Now this is a big, big, big topic. And I can't hope to really cover it fully here in the next 15, 10, 12 to 15 minutes. But I'd like to share some things that might help you look at fossils in a little bit different way. When I ask students on campus why they believe in evolution, one of the most common things I hear is that they say the fossil record. And when they talk about that, they're usually talking about human fossils. And so I'd like to show you what they mean usually when they say the fossil record. Here it is. This is a similar picture to what I saw in about, I don't know, I was probably 10 years old, maybe eight years old, the day I became an evolutionist. It was summertime. I had to read a book. Mom and dad had bought these Time Life science books, and I had one on evolution. And I saw a picture like this, and I opened it up. I sat there on the couch just as a young boy, and I said, well, that makes sense. The, the figure on the left looks like the monkey I saw in the zoo. figure on the right kind of looks like my dad. It seemed so obvious, so simple. It was in, the, in a book. It, it was full living color. What, do you, what are their problems with this picture? Are there problems in this picture? Well, I start off by saying, first of all, how do they know all this stuff just from bones? How do they know what, how much hair someone had from bones? How do they know the skin color from bones? How do they know? The, the, the reality is they didn't even have full skeletons of these animals. They just had partial bones or a hip bone or a thigh bone or a part of a skull or something like this. You actually go to a place like the Smithsonian Museum and you see how few bones they actually have and how much of it really is speculation. And then you add in, not only do they have this artist's conception of what it looked like outwardly, but I look at the last guy in the picture, the, the most fully formed, most excuse me, most fully evolved of all, the, there he is, a Caucasian man. He's white. He's got a nice haircut. He's shaved. He's kind of got hairier legs than me. But if you stop and think about this, if it weren't for, you know, Schick and Gillette or some razor company, he would have a lot of facial hair. He'd have long facial hair, just like the animals that he supposedly came from. And this whole picture of evolving, um, it's so much speculative and so much of an artist's conception. It's not really, I don't believe it's really accurate. But it leads us to the question, uh, uh, how do you even get a fossil? And as we want to talk about the fossil record, this is, such, this is an important question that many people don't give, I think, don't give enough serious attention to. How do you get a fossil? If you were to go, you know, say, say you had an, uh, an animal in your backyard or something, and it just fell over and died, would it fossilize? No, it wouldn't. Why would it, what would have to happen for it to be fossilized? It'd have to be buried. It'd have to be buried in sediment so that it could not, it would not, it would uh, be, take the minerals from the soil rather than decompose into the atmosphere or be eaten by scavengers and so on. To fossilize, it must be buried. And so this raises a question. How did things get buried all over the earth? Because we have fossils in, like, on top of mountains. 
We have fossils, obviously, by riverbeds, but they weren't just, that's not the only place they fossilized. It's the riverbeds cut into the soil that allows us to find the fossils. There's probably fossils under the very ground you're on right now. If you were to dig down deep enough, there'd probably be fossils underneath right where you're at today. There are places like you see where there's been dinosaur digs, and you've got like big, 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 big dinosaurs. How'd they get buried? How did these huge animals get buried so that we could find their bones? You go to a place like Dinosaur National Monument, and, and you find you know deep, deep burial ground of these dinosaurs. Well, obviously, there must have been some sort of cataclysmic event that buried them. And we believe that cataclysmic event is found in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. It is the flood of Noah's time. Now, God flooded the whole earth during the time of Noah. He had a reason for doing it. The earth had become corrupt, filled with violence. He regretted that he'd made man. And the flood is a judgment upon humanity and a judgment upon the earth. We've seen recently here, even in our country, the devastating effects of a hurricane and and what a flood can do to the earth and all that's on it. And here we're talking about a flood that only lasted a few hours. We're talking about a storm surge of, of maybe, what was it, 8, 10 feet? It might have been a little bit higher. I, what it, Last I heard, it was only about 10 feet. And you look at the devastation that came from just a few hours flood of, of, of a few, 8, 10 feet of a storm surge. Imagine, imagine a flood so great that the earth was covered. Imagine that it was covered for, it rained for 40 days and nights, but the earth was actually covered for about a year by this flood. Imagine what that would have done to the sediment, to the forest, to the, to, to the, the face of the earth. It would have had devastating effects. It, all of animals would have been buried in the flood waters, in the sediment as it settled. And indeed, we believe this is why we, it was this flood event that gave us the sedimentary layers that we see, like at a place, like if you see it, like the Grand Canyon, where you see the various layers, this is what we believe it came from there. So the, the fossil, this is an important thing, because many people talk about the fossils without thinking, where did they, how, did, how do we get the earth, how do we get fossils all over the earth? If the flood happened, if the flood occurred, as the Bible says, and if it did cover the earth, and you say there's not enough water, well, certainly there's enough water. There actually is enough water. If the, if the earth were, did not have mountains or valleys, there'd be enough water. Are you ready for this? To cover the whole earth, I believe, two miles deep. Two miles deep with all the water that's even presently on the earth right now. So what did we have? We had, it was during this cataclysmic event, it did more than just rain. You understand that a falsehood said the deeps were broken up, that water came from the depths of the earth, the, the continents seemed to collide, the, the mountains probably, many of the mountains formed during this time. And this is why we have the fossils that, that are found up on top of mountains. They were submerged water in the, in the, the plate tectonics that crashed, the, there were earthquakes during this time. It was, a, it was a cataclysmic event, more than just rain. And this would have been perhaps how the mountain ranges were formed and how fossils can be found, therefore, on top of the mountains because they weren't there at the beginning 
of the flood. This life died, and 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 the mountains emerged during the time. This time. So this this raises some questions. How do you account for the if you're going to ask an evolutionist about the false organ? How do you account for complex forms of life being found in the supposedly oldest forms, oldest layers in the geological column? This is the first question we want to ask because keep in mind they believe that the oldest the, the layers that are the furthest down are the oldest layers what we believe is that they were just the ones that they weren't that much older they were just laid down in the flood and that that layer settled there first and another layer settled on top another layer settled on top but there was there's complex life these trilobites for instance these are complex this complex life fossils that were found in this oldest layer um Another question, why after 160 years of searching have evolutionists not found one single genuine transitional link in the fossil record? Now, that's a good, that's a controversial question because they would say they have, and yet we would say they haven't. And I have over here on the slide, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, just you'll have to picture this yourself. But if you see, there's a, uh, there's a fossil here of what's uh, known as Archaeopteryx. Now, Archaeopteryx is a strange uh, fossil, fossil, because what is it? Is it a bird? Is it a dinosaur? Is it what is it? We can't really know, and and this has been put forth as a transitional form by many evolutionists, and yet I've got to think back in my own life to a time when at the University of Maryland we brought in a a, a paleontologist to give a lecture on creation evolution. His name was uh, uh, Dr. Parker. And his first name's slipping me right now, but Dr. Parker's written a number of books. Well, anyway, he gave this talk. Afterwards, and I was somewhat well-known on the campus there at Maryland because I'd preach every day, and I'd gotten to know the head of the zoology department, and he came to the lecture, and there's a lot of students there. And afterwards, I asked him, I said, what did you, uh, what did you think of the lecture? And the, the professor said, well, he's disappointed. He said, I expected more depth to it. I expected better, better, more rigorous questions to be raised. I said, he said it was just straw men arguments. I said, well, what do you mean? Give me an example. He said, well, like, for instance, Archaeopteryx. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, listen, no, no, no real evolution. No real scientist has believed Archaeopteryx is a transitional form in over 40 years. I was a little taken aback by that. I didn't know what to think, and he he said he was said he's disappointed. Then uh, right after that, a zoology student, when he left, our conversation was over. A zoology student who attended a lecture, he came and said, "What did what did he say to you?" I've had his he's the head of our zoology department. What did he say? And I told him what he said about Archaeopteryx being a straw man. No one believes it. He said, "Well, that's interesting, because just today in my zoology 400 class, our professor." who knew that we were going to be coming to this lecture tonight, said, how do we know evolution is true? And he gave, he gave Archaeopteryx as an example of a transitional form in the fossil record as proof of evolution is true. I got back with the chairman of the department. I said, and I told him the story. I, I, I completed the circle. I said, you told me no legitimate scientist has believed this, and yet this is being taught in your zoology classes in your department. What do you think about that? And he said, well, I, and his answer was simply, I don't have control over what they say. And he kind of skirted the issue. My friends, what do we say? Some of the people who make such confident assertions maybe shouldn't be so confident after all. 
Now I'm going to admit there's so there's much much to learn about the the area of fossils. And as I've said throughout this entire series, I hope you understand. Sometimes I ask myself, if I'm going to be a creationist or an evolutionist, which are the difficult questions I'm most comfortable not having good answers to yet? There's still great research being done. I will admit that if, as, a, as a creationist, there are tough questions that we're still struggling with. We don't claim to have found all of it. We're presenting a paradigm, a model that to us makes sense, and it, and it provides a great deal of answers that fit right in with the Bible if you see it in light of, for instance, in this case, the worldwide flood. If you believe it really happened, as the Bible says, suddenly the whole fossil record takes on a whole new perspective. Because you, how do we get those fossils? Was it laid down quickly? Is the earth really that old? Are these layers really that old? And so are these fossils really that old? You begin to see things in a whole different light if you go if you look at it in light of the historical account in the scripture, there's questions I believe that if you're going to have the old, the evolutionist, the old earth point of view, there's tough questions that can't be answered by them. And if you're going to have ours, there's tough questions that we don't have the answers yet either. Which set of questions am I most comfortable not being answered? Well, I'm, I go with the Bible and I feel that there, that there's so much, we have such, we creationists, have such limited budgets. We have such limited resources. The other side has like every university in America, the, 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 the Smithsonian, the big museums, the big budgets. We are doing so much with so little, and yet I believe putting forth a real argument that it happened just as the Bible says. And so that's where I stand on the fossil record. Father in heaven, we bless you today, and we worship you, and we think today, as we think of fossils, Lord, we could sit and argue about it, but more, more so, we ask, how did they form? And it reminds us of the flood, and it reminds us of a judgment. And we're reminded, Father, that you are a holy God. You created the earth. You created us to have relationship with you, and yet man had become so corrupted, had become so violent, so vile, so immoral so corrupt, so greedy, so, so sinful that you, you judged the whole earth. It was a violent judgment. The fossil record is a, is a reminder of the judgment of God. As we see these various evidences of rock layers, and it reminds us that you are a God who will bring judgment. And we are reminded of this, Lord, and we live in times now when we're, we know there's a coming judgment. It could be soon. You're not going to judge the earth again in a flood. You're going to, next time, the whole earth will be burned up. The elements will melt with intense heat. There'll be a judgment of fire and brimstone upon mankind. And, oh, Father, how we pray that people would repent and be saved. We pray that they'd be ready for that coming judgment. We pray we'd be ready to meet our God. We pray, Father, the choices are as we can embrace your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, and walk in your light and love you, and receive your love, and your kindness, and goodness, or we can harden our heart, and reject that, and walk in the, and and one day face the certainty of your judgment. We pray, Lord, for the salvation of souls. We pray for an awareness of the final days, and we ask that as we think of these fossils, and we think of the flood, that we'd also think of our day, and what awaits those who don't know you. We bless you. We worship you. We love you. We give you this day to follow you, and to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Well, I hope this has been helpful. We're about done with this series on evolution. We've got just a couple more, um, couple more to go. Later in this year, we haven't picked the exact dates yet, but I'm hoping to have a trip down to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Some of you may want to join me for it. Uh, I'll have more information on it later. It'll probably be in in uh, late November or early December. It's a beautiful time down there as, as things are lit up for Christmas, and it's just really a gorgeous place in their botanical gardens. And if, so uh, I'll have more information on that before long, but I would encourage you to visit that. If you're new today, welcome. So glad you're with us. I hope you come with us regularly. We get on the Word of God. We talk about spiritual growth. We talk about evidences for our faith, all these types of things. Come here every day. We need to be strong. You're not going to be strong as a Christian if you just get a little bit of the Word every day and fill your mind with the world the rest of the week. We're here every day to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to become become the men and women God wants us to be. And we need to be in the Word of God to do that. So I hope you'll like the video, subscribe, hit the notify button, tell your friends, leave a comment, and join us regularly, day by day. Make the commitment to be here. Your life will change. And to those of you who are with me every day, I love you. So glad you're with us. Until we meet tomorrow, might God fill you with strength, grace, peace. Remember, we got that coming judgment. Let's live this day in light of that day. God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.